welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of The Lux Files. I am with Thelemite, ceremonial magician, and lifelong student of the Western esoteric tradition, Marco Visconti. Hello, hello, my friend. Hello there. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, trying to adapt to the ever-changing uh, summer season here in the UK, which is always a, a bit of a struggle, right, <laughs> but right, uh, right. Oh, oh, good. I would say, oh, good. We've been, we've been through a long and difficult year. We don't need to go there. We, we all know what we've been through, but yes, yeah. nice. It's nice to be a little bit out of it. I don't know for a long, but it feels nice right now. <laughs> you know, if, you, you know, if we go back into some restrictions, I mean, I'll be, I mean, I'll be okay with whatever we have to do to to keep people safe. So if we have to go back into restrictions, as unfortunate as that is, at least it's been nice to be able to have a bit more uh, yeah. going out and, and stores and, you know, not having to like wait in line and lines just to get into a store and whatnot. So it's been a nice little bit of a break. Um, let's Absolutely. hope it continues. Let's hope Absolutely. we keep going in the right direction. Let's definitely hope that we can actually go into, you know, autumn and then like and then winter with a little bit more of relaxation compared to last year. So yeah, and yeah. I like 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 you know, we were mentioning it before before we start recording, like we have to live with it. That's that's mm -hmm. how it is. There's, uh, it's a good test. It's a good test for humanity. <laughs> I, let's hope that humanity is not feeling it too much, right? Oh, uh, I well, you know, I, I tend to be, you know, the eternal optimist. Um but I mean, we're relying on politicians to keep us safe. So yeah. right there, right there, you know, you're in trouble. You know, you're in trouble when it's the politicians that are deciding what uh, what are public health measures, you know, you're in trouble. So that's that's all I'll say about that. So, you know. It is what it is. It let's, is. Let's, move, let's move on to more interesting topics then. <laughs> Absolutely. And the most interesting topic we can possibly discuss is you. Oh, so, <laughs> so what I like to do with all of my guests is I like to, I mean, I, I like learning all about my guests, of course, but I like to start right at the beginning um, with you know, uh, each guest um, sort of uh, recollecting, if, you know, that one moment or that series of moments that sets you on your magical, spiritual, occult, et cetera, et cetera, path. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let's begin there. And um, well, for, for we have we have to go back in time or oh, 31 years, actually. Uh, when I was uh, a very, very young boy of 12 years old, uh, and uh, it was summer, it was actually July of 1990, and I, I was reading a comic book in Italy, a comic book called Martin Mister, um, I, don't, I don't think it's ever been translated outside of Italy, and it's basically, imagine like an Indiana Jones, but a little bit more esoteric, kind of, it's very, it's a very popular comic in Italy, and it's still going, um, okay. it's going on since 82, so it's since forever. 
So they have this thing where every summer uh, they have the summer special. And in the summer special that summer, there was a little booklet on uh, what's called like the most interesting uh, personalities uh, in a culture, pretty much. You know, the, uh, I, I, in Italian was uh, i personaggi più misteriosi. And, uh, and one of them was Aleister Crowley. So you can imagine that, uh, I mean, I was already, when I was 12, I was already like uh, into uh, mythology and into pretty much like reading or everything about myth. And, you know, I was, I was, I'm from Rome, Italy, and I grew up literally like going uh, to the, to the Colosseum and the Roman right. forums. And, you know, like I grew up in there pretty much. Um, but some, for some reason, I was never so much into Roman mythology. I was much more drawn towards Egyptian, uh, Sumerian, and Celtic mythology. Okay. So, you know, at some point, some few years later, I'm still, I'm still young, very young, and I end up learning about Aleister Crowley, the fact that he was actually, you know, working with magic, and this magic had some ties with Egyptian magic. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Of course, in time, I would understand it's more a mask than anything actually related to Hakao or Egyptian magic. But for me, it was like, oh, wow, I need to know everything about this guy. And well, very um, sensationalist, like, you know, like the wickedest man in the world. Like, did they really do that whole sensationalist bit or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely that was definitely something really stuck with me very hard because at the time also, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a family that wasn't was I mean, in Italy, everybody's Catholic, right? Right. Uh, I, I, I've said this on, on podcast before, which is a fun thing. Uh, my godfather was working, it, it still is, I mean, it was, it's retired now, but it was working for the, for the Vatican at the time. And okay. so I was able to be baptized by the Pope. In a, it's something that can be done, like if you baptize once a year or twice a year, I don't remember exactly, like series of children can be baptized in a, in a, in a big ceremony. Wow. Um, so but the thing at the same time my family my, my mom and my dad were not practicing really so we were not like we were going to mass and i somehow was thinking already back then this doesn't really gel with me i loved the high ritual um mm. i was going to a jesuit school in fact and i i would actually you know go there early in the morning to be an altar boy uh, because I, I was so fascinated with you know with eye ritual and everything but i didn't really gel with the message itself i was looking for something different right. and so you know you can imagine um you're young you're very uh, you're captivated by everything and you hear about this guy it was the wickedest man in the world and the fact that you know as you start learning well he was very fascinated with high ritual as well uh, but also he wanted to reject Christianity because of his upbringing with the Plymouth Brethren and I was like oh well this is interesting and uh, you know it stuck with me all my, all my life pretty much it never went away uh, over the years I would say that maybe I mean I definitely distance myself from Crowley the man over the years I mean right. quite strongly in recent years but that is still ground zero you know that is still the moment like that's still the moment where i was like oh wow uh, you can be a magician oh this is interesting it's not right. just dun yeah, yeah. not just dungeons and dragons right it's yeah, something yeah. something people do yeah 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 you know it's not really surprising i don't think like you were saying you know you you even though you grow you grew up in rome you weren't really attracted to like the the roman mythology because so i think we take what's familiar and what we're used to for granted you know yeah. like there's you don't have that same sense <clears throat> you don't have that same sense of of wonder you know Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. like i've realized that um 
I mean, I left Rome almost a decade ago, and I only went back once in uh, like a few years ago, 2017. And I remember like walking in Rome for the first time after having been away for, for so long. I was like, okay, this is beautiful. This mm -hmm. is amazing. I can see why it really, you know, walking in the Roman forum, so go to, you know, Piazza Venezia and whatnot, really like, oh, wow, this is... But, when you're there you take it for granted right yeah, like, yeah for sure. like i remember i remember um going and play magic the gathering when i was again a few years after that the score crow in fact was 14. Uh, and it was like this this um this role-playing game shop in front of the of the Colosseum. I was always there, right? Like when it becomes the backdrop to your teenage afternoons, it's one of the things, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, there's the rest of us that can't even conceive of like a modern shop, like a gaming shop anywhere That's near right. the Colosseum, you know? It's, it's not there anymore, unfortunately, but it was, and also you got to understand that, um, Something that's very, uh, very popular in the UK or in the US, uh, well, everywhere in the world, really in Canada, uh, like, you know, gaming shops like that. In Italy, it was almost unheard of, right? Okay. Like, so, you know, this place was called Strategy and Tactica, which means strategy and tactic. And uh, it was the only one of two. The, one, one, they were in Rome in front of the Colosseum. And then there was another shop in Milan, and that was it. Um, mm -hmm. 19 talking about 92 so you know forever <laughs> 29 years ago so. yeah but yeah I mean, things have changed now of course things have changed now but back in the day it was really like you have to go to this one place and it was in front of the Colosseum. so you know it's quite cool <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely absolutely so <clears throat> so when you uh came across crowley for the first time and you're like oh people actually practice magic now so that obviously, you know, set you on your path, but, you know, the sensationalist stuff about Crowley, like, what do you remember, like, that obviously didn't put you off, but do you remember what you thought about that, like, how you perceived that as a 12 year old? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't phased off by it at all, because I grew up uh, in a big house with a lot of books and I was mostly on my own most of the time. My parents were never around. Uh, and so imagine a few years before this, when I was around eight or nine, I already had discovered Marquise de Sade. So and I wasn't very, and, and then Ananin. So I wasn't very faced by all of this at all, right? Right, right. So I was like, okay, actually there's something, someone who's mixing magic and sexuality and exploring, you know, the wild side. Uh, I, I guess that since because I wasn't raised in a strict Catholic uh, uh, household, I also never felt there's any there was anything wrong about it. I always right. felt, right. Yeah, you know, it's okay to explore with sexuality. It's okay to explore with uh, with you know with strange approach to to life. Only many years later, I came to understand the problematic sides of Crowley's character, you know, the misogyny and the narcissism. But at the time, it was like, oh, you know, this guy sounds a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So where did, where did that take you, you know, learning about Crowley, learning that, you know, magic is, is real and people are actually doing it? What, what were your steps then? Like, did you, as a teenager, start exploring magic? Yeah, absolutely. I um, the only the only Crow, uh, Crowley book that was available at the time in Italy 
was the, um, the 1972 edition, the translation of the 1972 edition uh, of Magic in Tyrian Practice. Mm. And uh, it was a super average version of an edition that was already not the great because the one the 72 edition is was the one edited by john simons and uh, kenneth grant which as much as i love kenneth grant not so much john simons they they didn't do a very good job on that edition right the funny thing is that the italian version at the time i could i i could read english because i grew up um learning english um but there was no way i mean amazon wasn't a thing right yeah <laughs> so yeah. all i could find was this book and um, in the Italian translation, which just to give you an idea, was so bad that chunks of the text were not translated because clearly the translator did not understand at all what he was reading. Oh wow! So it was bits, you could see that the, the you know the sentences were just like disappearing into somewhere, and then a new chapter would start. And you would say, oh, hmm, there's something here. Oh, that... So they didn't leave the English in; they just cut no, like no. whatever couldn't be translated. They just cut out. Just cut it out. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Italy, Italy is different. I mean, I get in this day and age is different. More people speak English, but I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in you know in a, in an environment where very few people spoke anything but Italian. Okay. And and so translations were were weird. Like for instance, give me the everything in Italian is dubbed. Up and I guess even to this day, I mean, I haven't been in Italy in many years, as I told you, but like everything is dubbed to the point. Just to give you an idea, like. Um, Italians think that Keanu Reeves has the most sexy voice in the world because they never heard Keanu Reeves' actual voice. Right, know? right, right. So, okay. uh, just that, that's the like, even idea. And it, it's the bit to so magic interior practice that I that I had, and it was the only book you could get. Mm. It was very. It, it was what what we we could have. And I spent the next few years trying to make sense of it. Um, there's a lot of people that think that magic interior practice is a good book to start with on Telema. Uh, I think that there are good points there are good yes and no right there it's it's a challenging book it's not a simple book like right. you have to you have to go through it a lot of time you have to try and understand that that book actually was written to with a specific uh audience in mind which was a subscriber edition we're actually people that kind of knew about him already and kind of mm -hmm. knew about his ideas already so it's not the easiest book but i try to make sense of it and the good thing also is that I was also one uh, of the early people in Italy using the internet. Like I was on, on text BBS. Uh, I was, and eventually, you know, the very like the, the equivalent of AOL, the equivalent of you know the Nets, you know, using Netscape when yeah, using yeah. So and being able to speak English, I I started looking for information, and that's where I found you know the Usenet, and I found the the the, the mailing lists. We're talking, we're a bit we're a bit further now, and it's ninety five, ninety six. Start finding the use, and then eventually the 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 forums. Uh, Barbalith was a, like one the, was a big chaos magic forum, and that was something that I you know I started I started going into that and started reading into it, um, and then then we are like now it's nineteen ninety eight and I'm twenty so eight years have passed, uh, and that's when I received my first initiation into the AA uh, on a very unique very specific I mean. There's a lot of discussion about the AA lineages. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the ones people know usually are the American ones. Um, but most people miss the point that there's so much more out there that's never been discussed. Uh, it's always been kept very private, very, very you know, under wraps. And, um, and I think that that's something maybe we, sh we should learn 
that you know it, it's not because if it's not if you cannot find it on the internet it doesn't mean it does it's not there right exactly. uh, like yeah. there's a lot there's a lot that can be found on the internet i do believe that when it comes to to dilemma in particularly uh, if you look for the secrets of the audio everything is on the internet like everything that's written you can find but there's a lot of groups that they're never that they, they, they don't look for um advertisement <laughs> they never have never will yeah and yeah. This group of people that eventually I got in touch with in Italy, in Rome, by means of talking to people in the States that told me, well, actually, there are people in Rome. These are the people you should contact. Yeah. Um, they, they never look for uh, for any sorts of visibility or spotlight. Yeah. Now, just for the younger listeners, <clears throat> there's, you know, the 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 web. Then there's the dark web. Then there's the dark, dark web. The dark, dark web is outside of your house go outside and meet people um, because some of the best people in this community aren't online they're not hot taking on twitter yeah, so I mean, you, want to visit, you want to visit the dark dark web um i mean is- you know you you touched on something that's so important um i am I am very happy that we we ha- we have the internet. Like I'm very happy that we have even we have social media. Social media, I do think it's an expression of corruption and dispersion. But if yeah. you can tame the beast a little bit, it, you it, you can make it work for your for your ends. Yeah. However, it's we we really need to remember that you know esoterica the occult means hidden and yeah. it is hidden knowledge, and there is so much more that is not on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, we 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 start discussing this because of you know the AA lineages and there are people on the internet that are hell bent that will tell you no I know everything about all the lineages because I found everything online. Mm-hmm. People don't even consider the possibility that their information their information is right, but it's maybe like a slice of the cake. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, you, you yeah you got it right. I can see that you made all the connections, but you don't know about all the rest of the cake because. Some people never wanted to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and when it comes to, there's also another thing, and I guess we're already sp- moving around, but I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of having, you know, this kind of rumbles here. Uh, <laughs> the fact is that, for instance, like when we look at the history of Telema and we, and we look for like, his, let's say history of the OTO, for instance, Order Temperiantis, which is another, another order that eventually I would join much later. Mm. Um, in 98, uh, after I received initiation in the AA, I, did con- I did add a, a connection with the, the Roman, the, the people that were running the uh, cam lodge in Rome. I didn't like them. Uh, there was a lot of drugs involved and I, I wasn't into that. Uh, it wasn't my thing. Uh, so I, I say, okay, the audio is not for me. I'm going to just do the AA thing. Right. It, was, it was fun for a while. But my point being is that if you look, even if you look right now, you go on the official OTO Incorporate websites, uh, you hear, you, you read a story, right? But that's their story. Yeah, <laughs> that's their yeah. story because it serves the narrative, you know, it's the narrative that you know uh, the OTO was dormant and then grading McMurtry came along and it was revived and everything else but if you go to Brazil well they will tell you a different story because Marcelo Mota it's had a lot of students and still the students are still there and they have their own story if right. you go to if you go to Switzerland, if you agree to Germany, if you go to Italy, there is different stories that, but then again, most of these people in, in, in opposition with the auto incorporate has done, they never sought the spotlight. Possibly, to be fair, they never had the copyrights, like the copyrights were won by one specific organization. Right, yeah, yeah. 
so anyway uh we're, we're going places around but. no no it's great it's um it's 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 great but yeah i mean you know even um you know as a sort of a similarity with uh you know golden dawn material and people saying well that's this material isn't golden dawn because it's not in my regardy book yeah like <laughs> this material was written in 18 96 during the original golden dawn you're discounting it because it's not in your six regardy book you know what i mean um just because it's not out there this material like there's a lot of unpublished material just because it's not published doesn't mean it doesn't exist and when it comes to light you don't discount it because it's not in your Absolutely. your book i mean absolutely um if you ever if you're ever in london you can go to the library of freemasonry and actually request to see the golden dawn uh treasure trove they have and there's so yeah. much stuff that's that's never been published yet yeah. um Tony fuller online has been talking a lot about you know the zmaragdum talassus lodge in uh, new zealand mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, they have so much information there. Yeah. So they never wanted to publish. Yeah. That's fine. And then, you know, of course, when it comes to, to the Golden Dawn affiliations, and you have, you know, Paul Foster Case, the one to do his own thing, the Unfortune one to do her own thing. I mean, I, I'm in Glastonbury. I am in the Unfortune's uh, town, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like they, they, she wants to do her own thing. And it's always fascinating to me when as people tend to be very narrow. Because, of course, you know, when you start when you start entertaining how actually complex all of this is uh, and how most of it will maybe always be outside your grasp because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, maybe you don't need to do everything, right? You just find your practice and you, and you keep doing that. Absolutely, well, yeah. it becomes a little bit more complex than, than what, I don't know, which talk or, you know, or call Twitter wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. It's just, it's interesting. I mean, and, and you know, for, you know, a lot, well, it really all depends, but I mean, you have, you know, lodges and orders and whatnot, and, you know, of course they're going to have their, um, no, 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 come with us, join us because we're the, you know, we have the, the lineage, we have all the, the right material, you know, it, it's part of like a, like a marketing bit, it, you know? it, but then it, there's it, also the, the wannabe gurus that are, are a little bit more cult leader-ish that, you know, they're like, oh, no, 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 all the other people calling themselves X, they're not, it's just me. So, I mean, you know where it's coming from, you know, that, that, that mentality of, of, um, well, it's just us at, because we have, you know, the, the copyright or, you know, yeah. Something that I noticed in the last few years when I put myself out a little bit more and say, you know, I, I learned some things for over, for over 25 years now that I'm almost 30 now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can maybe transmit, transmit something that I've learned. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, something that I noticed is that I, I don't go for the guru stick, right? I always say I am one of many, and my what I can what I can tell what I can tell you is what I learned. It's not the truth. Like I try to be very down to earth. Yeah. I noticed that it actually doesn't really work very well because people kind of want to buy into oh I am following the guru. I am getting the truth. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me, it's so anti-initiatic in many ways. Like it's it's the opposition of it. Especially as a telemite, I don't believe in vicarious atonement. I don't believe that I can save you or anyone else from anything. You you do you do the work. If you don't do the work, uh, I, what can I do for you? Nothing. I can just maybe all I can do is say, hey, I've done this before. This worked for me. Yeah. Um, maybe you want to try this. Yeah. But I realize I realize that um, I mean, especially in the last year, as my community uh, grew on Patreon, um, a lot of people that the people that stayed are the people that really like the idea. You know, this is I'm part of a community, but I am sovereign. The people that came and left were like, "Oh well, we wanted we wanted you to tell us what to do. We wanted right. the guru, yeah, or yeah. we wanted the lineage, or wanted that." Especially when it comes, you know, to I do believe in lineages. I mean, lineages are definitely something that exists. That's that's I do have a lineage in the AA. Mm-hmm. I do have a lineage through in, in, in the Gnostic Church through Bertio. Uh, I it's it's not that these things don't exist, and, and these things do have power. Yeah, and there, but at the same time, I really believe that um, we must move towards. Um, like say a system whereby we can give to the, these ideas the gravitas they 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 the command really, but it, it should the focus should be on the person. The focus should be on the individual. Are you are you doing the work or are you just like tagging along with the club with the most stripes? Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So. Um... Let's get back. So you joined the OTO, you were, or not the OTO, the AA when you were, what'd you say, you were 20. Now the AA, as I understand, so this this is uh, Thelema, the AA. Um, and I understand it, like, it's not like, it's not like a, like a magical order, like the Golden Dawn, where, you know, you get together groups and temples and whatnot. It's a teacher student, there so um there are different ways that you can go about it. the original idea of the of the AA put together by uh by Crowley uh was to have like this teaching student relationship like Omoguru Kela relationship really mutuating it from the from the east a lot of telemas mutuated from the east i tend to say oftentimes that the Telema is can be seen as the Tao of the West or even mm-hmm. the Zen of the West. Because a lot of ideas that come from from the East that then have been that have been telemized. Uh, right. like, um, and so you get this idea of you know, Guru Kela uh, system that uh, that was the AA. In fact, in the original, uh, you would still have like a ceremonial initiation rituals for the first two grades. But then it becomes something very, very focused on the individual. You, there's no lodge structure, even like coming together for the for the in a, for the um, for the rituals of the first two grades. It's something that people come together and then they leave. It's there's no like a there's no lodge structure really. Right. Like it, the it's interesting that then from one of these grades, actually Crowley devised uh, like an alternative way of doing the same work, which was pretty much self initiation. Okay, like. Like you would have to, you would have to learn the script and then enact it in the astral by yourself. Um, I know, I know that some lineages out there, Jerry Cornelius lineage, for instance, then they they changed it mm-hmm. uh, and they made it a little bit more. They have what they call prophet houses or chapter houses. I don't remember; it's not mine. Right. Uh, and you know, I, I actually, I actually, I like the idea. I like the idea of of evolving a system. Uh, one of the things that I really struggle with. And I guess they struggle with as well. Uh, 
see. Let's turn this Okay, so the dogs are in theory calmed down. So sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, what I was saying, something that I struggle with is the idea that you know th these systems should never change, should be f like monolithically uh, identical. Because if right. you change just one thing, it's it's not it's it's not kosher anymore. If you want, right? Which I mean. That might be true for Freemasonry, and I'm still a Freemason. I, I love Freemasonry for the beauty of it. Uh, but it is like, when it comes to dilemma, it really should be about, you know, breaking new boundaries and finding new avenues of expression. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm very, um, like, let's say, like, the AA now in this, in this day and age, you will find maybe lineages that actually do meteorologists. My own was interesting because my own was, was, pretty much Italian uh, alchemists that were actually fascinated by Crowley and received lineages um, in, in, in the AA and they started doing, like they started passing on the dynamic teachings. Uh, okay. And so like, you know, I joined, I was always like, I was joining them for, for my first two grades and like as as Crowley uh, as Crowley suggested, and then it became really like like a one on one kind of situation where you would uh, like I. But the thing is that at the same time I would know that there were more people out there. I'm not talking about me. We're talking about like 15, 20 people, and everybody much older than me, by the way. Uh, like I was twenty at the time. Everybody, the youngest person there was fifty at least. Oh wow! Okay, much older than me. Um, and you know there were people that actually connected to. <laughs> mostly like working with uh, metallic, spagyric, and internal alchemy, working a lot with the work of Giuliano Kremers, which is a fascinating Italian um, esotericist, and that has been starting to be translated right now uh, in, in English for the first time ever. Mm. And it's very fascinating. I mean, we, we, I, let's not go there, because we can actually have a discussion there. Right. Forever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, if you want to look in the works of Giuliano Kremers, I think there is one book in English right now. Um, so this is the, that was more the focus of that group, but they also had this lineage. And, uh, and since like the, the, my context that I found in the United States told me, well, talk to these people, that's how it started again. And uh, this went on for, well, you know, 98 till 2005-ish more or less. Uh, then what the person that I was, I was actually my, my, my teacher died. Okay. Of old age. And, and by the time I eventually started connecting with both Kenneth Grant and Michael Bertiot. Uh, this was through um, connection, my, one of my connections at the time. Uh, and we had this this forum called Labyrinth Stellare, which means the, the stellar maids uh, or stellar labyrinth. Um, and we were one of the few, if not the only, very well uh, structured esoteric forum in Italy. And this, we're now like, you know, we're now 2003 to 2005. And that's when we, uh, the person that was uh, running it along with me, uh, was already like translating and publishing Austin Osman's Pair in Italy. And, uh, and then he started uh, translating and publishing Kenneth Grant and Michael Bertillo as well. Mm -hmm. and I, trans I, I translated um, books by Michael Bertillo. I helped, I helped with the translation of Kenneth Grant. And that's where I started you know, corresponding with both of them. Uh, I never met Kenneth Grant in person, but I corresponded with him a lot. He introduced me to Andrew Chambly, like literally one year before he died. Uh, and so I started corresponding with Andrew Chambly as well. 
and getting into Azoetia. And uh, so like I, I was starting at this point really expanding because I realized, you know, like I love Telema, but I realized that Telema is an umbrella for many other expressions. Like the good thing about Telema is that it has, uh, I would say there's, in Telema there's no orthodoxy, but not even no orthopraxy, because the sense is that you can still understand the core Thanets, which is, you know, the interpolation between Nuit and Hadith, but then you can look at that in, in for instance, like you can give it um, a more Tiffonian spin, as in Kenneth Grant, mm -hmm. and the focus, on, the focus on art, or you can give it like a, a, a traditional witchcraft spin, as with Chambly, and work with the Azoisha, which is a bit more Luciferian as well, or as the one person that then I went and meet in Chicago and, and I worked with him a lot was my, it is still alive, thankfully, uh, Michael Bertio. And uh, that's where, you know, he introduced me to his own version of, you know, his own version of Dilemma, which is Voodoo Gnosis. So mixing together Martinism and Theosophy and Voodoo and Gnosticism, which is wow. a really interesting mix, trust me. Yeah. Uh, and um, and that's it. I mean, I spent spent some interesting weeks in, in Michael Bertio's place. He lives in um, in this beautiful uh, penthouse overlooking the Michigan uh, the Michigan uh, Lake. So it's very powerful. You you I, I never realized how big that lake is. It's a sea, really. It's an inland sea, pretty much. And you can imagine like being very very high up and looking at it every morning. It was very powerful. <laughs> so yeah. that, that that that's it. And then I went I went on to. I went on to you know to work with Michael for many years between 2004 and two, last time I I saw him was 2010 if I'm not mistaken uh, still in contact we still uh, exchange letters uh, from time to time uh, messages on Facebook <laughs> but um, yeah it, it was it was good times it was a good time also that was there's also a time in my life where I started um, I started working as a professional musician. Uh, and I, between, was like 2005, my, that, that my career kind of kick, kicked off nicely, and I start touring, and um, and I never stopped, really, up until I quit, pretty much, almost like a decade. So I was sharing my life between being on tour all the time and doing magic, being on tour all the time and doing magic, so yeah. Uh, but all of this is before I joined the Odeo. The Odeo would come later, much later. It would come in, uh, I joined the Odeo in 2012, so it would come some years later, pretty much. It's funny, I, you know, always have to remember um, uh, people growing up with, you know, in different parts of the world, different experiences, because you're talking about Lake Michigan, you know, uh, being so big. I live on the shores of um, Lake Superior, which is even bigger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so normal for me, um, my hometown, Thunder Bay, uh, being on the, the west shore uh, of Lake Superior. It's so normal for me, but... Yeah, because I mean, I would think that Lake Superior, just the surface area, probably would be half the size of Italy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, funny you mentioned that. it's funny you mentioned that because I remember recently seeing like a meme about one of this this kind of this meme on the it was showing how big Lake Superior is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it is as big as Italy or even more. <laughs> yeah, and on uh, Saturday afternoon, I was on a, a Zoom call, a friend of mine, Kara uh, Hamilton uh, in the UK. Um, she was doing uh, one of her um, like psychic um, 
shows. It, it, I mean, it was completely fascinating. I'd love to, to, to see it in person, but she was doing a, a virtual event. So uh, a bunch of us were talking afterwards and Kara was here in Canada for a time in Winnipeg, which is an eight hour drive from me. So I sit to the group and most of them are all in the UK. I see, you know, she used to live right near me in a city called Winnipeg, which is only an eight hour drive away. And they were all like, what? I'm like, oh, right, right, right. I mean, to me, an eight hour drive is like, we're next door neighbors. I mean, I can drive 24 hours and still be in my province. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so, so they were like eight hours. That's not close. And I'm like, That's I mean, eight, eight, eight hours, you go from Naples to Milan which is two thirds of Italy. So yeah, it's like, yeah, here in the UK, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, here in the UK, maybe you go all the way from London to Boleskin, I suppose, or something like that. That's basically what I said. I'm like, I, I think that's like London to Edinburgh or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, you got, you put things into perspective there. Cause I mean, yeah, I was like talking about Lake Superior being, you know, half of Italy. It, I mean, England's small if you really think about it. Yeah, England is tiny when you think about it. Yeah, especially if you think of England as England, you know, without Wales, without Scotland, it's tiny. <laughs> That's and, even, and, it's even smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, just to give you an idea, Glastonbury, where I am from London, it's considered it's on the opposite side of England proper, but it's yeah. not three hours drive, not even two hours and something. And people don't drive that long. Oh, that's far. I'm gonna take a train. I mean, I know I'm. I'm taking a train. <laughs> it's like I'm not driving. It's long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. 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 Uh, I think I, for me, that's that's like, oh God, it's yeah. That that's nothing. That's nothing. I I can't even get to the closest uh, America because I'm close to the American uh, Canadian American border. It's only forty five minute drive south of me. Um, but I can't even get to the closest uh, city, like big city. I'm not talking about towns, but I can't get yeah. to the closest city in any direction wow. in two and a half hours. You know, we're, we're talking four hours south, eight hours west, and six hours east. And there's yeah. no cities north of me. You guys in North America have, have a different understanding of distances. Very so. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very different. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like, I, I remember because like all the years I spent touring, whenever we would tour the States, um, at, you know, at first it was rough because we were doing on, on vans, right? Hmm. I remember that the year when we finally started graduating into tour buses, which when you have a tour bus, you know, you go into your bunk, you go to sleep, and next you wake up next morning in the new city, which hmm. is better. Yeah, and just like being in cramped vans for eight hours on so no, no, like to go yeah. to next year. So, so, I, I, rem I remember those days. I, I, I mean, I was, I was in my 20s, though. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> right? I mean, you can basically do anything in your 20s, and now you're like, oh, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, like, like guruship. I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. I'm not going to bother. Precisely. I'm not, not going to be a guru. That, that's... Why would you want to do that too? I mean, come on, too much I, effort. But exactly. Like, I'm like, that just seems like too much work. So I'm not going to bother. Exactly. But I'm sure like 21, when I was 21, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be a guru. Sure. Send me your money. 
it sounds easy, but I also also isn't because, um, like I said, like what I've what I'm seeing, for instance, in what I do, uh, which I do. I mean, I've been I've been teaching people like thanks. I mean, thanks to the pandemic, really. That's what started really my mm. my Patreon community. My idea was at first, you know, like I said, I'm gonna we all we all locked down, okay? We all we all like we're all like going through a very major event in our lives, something that will stay with us forever. I have a set of tools that helped me greatly over my during my life to make sense a little bit of who I am and where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there and say, Hey, you wanna learn magic? I can I can teach what I know. And at first I thought I was like yes, signed up to this what is this right and now we have 150 people like a year and a half later which is not like great numbers not like thousands but there's a lot there's a lot more than the 12 that we were at the very beginning right yeah something that i noticed is that if you decide to do that right it's it's first of all it's not about the money because there's no money in this come on let's face it right uh, you i I still have a day job and i will forever have a day job because that's something it Patreon does bring something in. It's really more about you know paying for the time you put into really. But what I notice is that you want to be you want to want to help people and mm-hmm. and magic will steer a lot of emotions in everybody who actually um, wants to, you know, everybody who does it for real. Like everybody that even sits if somebody says I want to do magic and and then read a book that's okay. Nothing's gonna happen really there. But right. even if down and they spend some time with you know, learning pranayama, learning visualization, even learning to be silent with themselves for an hour, right? That will steer some emotions. And the thing is that like people that put themselves out like as teachers, quote unquote, like I do, uh, well, you, you want to be there for them. We want to be there if at least even just to lend a year, right? Because of course we're, we're no, magic is not psychotherapy, nor should be psychotherapy. Right, like, exactly. Like a big, a big disclaimer that I have in everything I do is like, uh, I cannot help with any anything that needs psychotherapy, right? But uh, if you want to learn how to do the, the pentagrams, maybe I can tell you what, what I learned about the pentagrams myself. Hmm. Even that will steer some, some, some emotions though. And, and so, you know, you gotta be there for them, which, which goes back to the point. Being a guru or being a teacher, more it's uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's, yep. it's a lot of work, right? Uh, and I mean, I, I I really I really love what we created with this. with called man. We, we called it magic without tears, right? The community, uh, and uh, but it's it's been it's been a lot of work. <laughs> and, no, it uh, absolutely and, is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially you know in a in a like a format like. Um, patreon where you know people are are paying their monthly subscription yeah. you can't just be like you know what i'm really tired i'm not going to do anything uh for it this week or, or you know or whatever no absolutely yeah. like 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 what i did is that i really set up a, um a plan of lessons like i created a lot again it, i was lucky because i put a lot of the bulk of the of the lessons the bulk of the of the structure in during the early months of the pandemic and that was that was my lifeline you know that was my way i was actually keeping myself busy and uh, i mean in my my day job i'm i'm freelancing as a you know in digital marketing pretty much and i've been doing this for many years mm-hmm. uh, and that was also a moment where the work kind of dried out a little bit right 
So for me, it was like, okay, um, I have time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel this time so I can actually try and keep myself afloat when it comes to my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was lucky for that. But yeah, a lot, a lot of work went into that. And it's something that yeah, you, you, when you have people that kind of depend on you, it's important to, like, to not let them down. Yeah. Something that I also said quite clearly at the same time is that I never wanted magic to become... What is what I do? Ma- the, the the magic I do, I never wanted to become sheer entertainment, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've seen a lot. Uh, and it's understanding why, understandable why um, other what's called creators term I I hate by the way. <laughs> other like they 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 consider it all more as a way of entertaining their customers. Really, For right? Me it was what I'm trying to do here is kind of create my ideal lodge, the one I never had in the OTO. But that means that, yes, I will always be there. I will always try to provide content. Again, horrible term. Uh, but at the same time, the pact we're making is that you you do the exercises. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is not just uh, it's not just passive thing. And I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, it's, it's been it's been we've been lucky. It's, it's been working so far. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe things will have to change and, and, and transmute a little bit because, of course, you know, with the word reopening, uh, people, people don't want to be on Zoom all the time. We've been on Zoom for a year and a half. Now, mm-hmm. I don't mind it because um, given the life I led, I kind of I kind of like scratched all the itches I had about you know, traveling. I'd been all right. over about living, you know, nightlife, clubs. I've done, I've done it all like yeah. twice. Right. Uh, like my music, as I said, my music was kind of successful for a while. So, you know, I, I had all those uh, all those itches. I was scratched many times. Yeah. And again, I, you know, like I'm fine if I have to say, hey, you know, we're going through this. It's a bit harsh. Uh, we need to stay in. Uh, it's OK. But I also realize that people 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 want to be a go out again. Like, oh, of course. Know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I found myself going out uh, for nothing, like yeah. not you know, not going out, like meeting up with friends or not going out to stores because I needed something just going just for the sake of going. So, yeah, we all want to, you know, go outside. I I mean, I don't know what the world's going to look like when everything is, quote unquote, back to normal and all of these um, pandemic, um, um, you know, isolation things we've, we've developed, how how we integrate them into a a, a, re, a return-ish to normal or if we just throw them away. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. At first, I was getting really sick of, of being on Zoom mm-hmm. until I started doing the podcast because I get to interact with so many great people. And like you and I would not be sitting face yeah. to face right now because no. we're on opposite sides of the planet. It's not like, you know, we're calling each other and be like, hey, you want to meet up for coffee? That's not happening. So this wouldn't be happening without Zoom. So I, my distaste for all of this online Zoom stuff uh, went away once I started doing the podcast because it just reminded me of how lucky I am to be able to communicate in real time, face-to-face with people on the opposite side of the planet. So I got over myself, you know what I mean? I, I, I got over myself and um, uh, was able to be reminded of 
of exactly how lucky I am. And the fact that I can basically drop everything because I'm self-employed. Um, and I, you know, I guess we're, we're both very lucky in being self-employed. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, you know, I can, I can drop everything. I can, you know, because, you, you know, each guest is doing me the favor of coming on my podcast. So I'm like, what day do you want? What time do you want? I'll make it work, you know, and I can do that. So, yeah, so I had to get over myself there and, and be like, oh, you don't like Zoom? Oh, boo-hoo. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you haven't left the house in five years. So, <laughs> you know, what's your, what's, what's the alternative? There is no alternative, you know? So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It it's interesting, you know, like, like how no matter, no matter the conversation, I'm noticing this with us now, but I've noticed it a lot, like how much, COVID always seeps into the conversations. Yeah. And this is something, you know, from, from a magician's standpoint, like this is something that I've been thinking a lot about it, but how, how are we going to really exercise this? Uh, because I don't think the way is to just like forget that it existed mm-hmm. because that would be, that would be uh, <laughs> really like um, going through trauma and never process it. But yeah. you know, without, without going again into psychoanalysis or therapy, like there are, there is, there is, there is magic can be done about it. There's magic can be done to integrate this, right? Uh, how are we going to realize, we will look just at the Pentium uh, operations. How are we going to rebalance our elements to understand that, you know, we, maybe there's been like an imbalance in the waters. Like we need to bring back some fire maybe, or we yeah. need to ground ourselves, right? Uh, these are ideas, these are magical ideas at the end of the day, because like I said, COVID keeps seeping into discussions no matter what. And I, I think it's gonna stay with us for a bit longer. Like maybe we will, you know, like maybe we will, you know, vaccines will work and we'll go back to normality, but we would remember this. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is like, and I think that as magicians, we really ought to, to do the work twice as much and say, hey, we have some tools to at least start the start the healing ourselves and then maybe even accept you know maybe we do need some therapy like i i definitely need, i definitely need it <laughs> I, you know I, COVID has caused a lot of damage and a lot of trauma and i'm not you can take out the 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 human costs all the deaths and you can take that out of the equation and you can take out the grieving family family members left behind take all that out because like like the my brother got covid um he's a correctional officer um so that wasn't a surprise um he was fine i i i don't have anyone that got sick where they were in the hospital or sick and died so for me covid has been about restrictions and and isolation and lockdown um so i you know i got off easy but there's damage there and there's more damage than people will well realize or will admit to you know so you know even if covid was gone tomorrow covid would still be around for years because we'll be dealing with the fallout and and the damage and the trauma and you know processing it or not as the case may be so yeah we can't help but talk about covid that's what it is (laughs) 
Let's move on from COVID, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I get a little confused about uh, Philema, and this is just because I'm not, um, I'm neither a, a Philemite or someone that has read a lot about Philema. So, like, I, it, it's a religion, hmm. but I... Well, that's what I've seen. You know, everyone's like, well, it's a religion. And I'm like, well, there, I feel like there's got to be a but there because I think you can be a Thelemite without like a, a religious overtone to it, I would think. But so just just go with me on this for, for, for a moment. So my information, basically what I have in my head is Thelema is a religion, but there's magical practices involved and the fact that there's different orders that are philemic that are are separate like i'm not talking about like different branches of golden dawn i'm talking like aa oto like i mean they they don't have you know commonalities you know what i mean you know um organizational commonalities um so i just you know it's human nature to fit it, want to fit everything neatly into a box. Which, you know, oh. it's, it never happens, right? No, <laughs> no. So I just, I look at AA and I look at OTO and then I'm like, I don't get, I, 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 I don't get what, what's going on because I thought they were magical orders and philemic magical orders, you know, OTO with their lodge structure. I, I thought it would, you know, OTO was basically philemic um like golden dawn uh lodges but philemic and and i'm i i'm i'm learning that's not the case so i i you know i let well let's talk about the aa a little bit because we haven't got to that point in your life where you joined the oto so i don't know i i don't so know let what me, you're asking. Let, me, let me see let me see if i can actually try and uh, and and holistically answer all of this yeah so it's very, it, it, the classic question that a lot of people have when they start reading into Dilemma is like, is it a religion or is, is it a philosophy? Is it a magical system? What is it? Dilemma is all these things at once, um, especially when it comes for, to understand Dilemma as a religion. I think it, it's been uh, EL131, which is a great Dilemmic author and good friend, that he said that, that uh, and I always like to quote him and say that Telema is a religion if you need it to be. Right. Because it's undeniable that the Telemic philosophy has very serious religious overtones. I mean, they're gods, they're goddesses, there are, uh, there are rituals that are Eucharistic in nature. And so you can definitely, and I mean, and most of all, uh, Alistair Crowley wrote uh, Gnostic Mass. It. And, he, uh, and he would he would claim Gnostic lineage, neo-Gnostic lineage, of course, from John from Doinell, I mean, uh, and and he tried to make the point, which I am a subscriber to, that Thelema is in fact a Gnostic religion. So, if but at the same time, if you don't like religion, if you don't feel like you need the religious um, approach to it, you, you can do without it. <laughs> like uh, one, another important tenet of Telema is to say that there is no God but man. Uh, this implies that is Telema uh, atheistic? Um, 
if you want it to be. You can understand all the principles of dilemma, including the God, the goddesses, the spirits, the as expressions of yourself. Because at the end of the day, the key point of dilemma is putting the spotlight on you. Mm. Not you, Sean, but who's behind Sean? Who's, who's wearing the mask of Sean? If Sean is the incarnation and the mask you, the, you with a capital uh, Y, uh, is wearing in, in this incarnation, who's behind the mask, right? So the idea of this is connected with the important idea in Telema, or which I would say it's one of the, the two fundamental steps in Telemic initiations, which is uh, the knowledge and conversation with the Holy Guardian Angel, the discover, which is tied to the discovery of the true will now, true will is such an important part of the dilemma. Do what the will shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law, love and the will. Those are the two of the main aphorisms of the system itself. But the point is that that will, that true will, which by the way in the book of the law is referred as pure will, not true will, uh, it's, it, it, it's something that um, pertains the true self. You know the the one person the one entity the one consciousness the one intelligence that gets to decide in the end if the is a religion or not for them if the is atheistic or not for them if and that's it because i would say that there's no qual there's no doubts that the is a philosophical system the is also a magical system because there are specific um, magical operations that pertain solely to the Right. Uh, in, in the idea of the, if we analyze the Western esoteric tradition as a series of uh, formula of attainment that change with the eons, with the eons, with the ear, I was about to say with the ears, but with the eons, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, then we can see Telema as the, the last one. Like if, uh, if we engage with this idea of Aeonics, which it's not a perfect idea, it's not something that, uh, uh, that I, I swear by, <laughs> you know, but it's something. I like to think everything magic as not not as anything is the truth, but everything is a model that you can work with and see if you get any results out of it. Okay, and the Aeonics um, model works in works for for a, for a little while. And this idea that you know as time passes, new uh, cosmic forces, new Aeonic forces come into play and bring new formulas. You can think about reality being a computer and these uh, Aeonic formulas being new operating systems, okay? Uh, you can still run an old operating system on your computer, and maybe you can do everything perfectly that you need to do, but maybe you don't have all the last features, right? <laughs> like all the final, like you can have, this is an iPhone 11, I don't have the camera with three, uh, three focuses, because I have only two, right? That's, that's the idea. That's how, that what Telema is, imagine Telema is having the final, the best mode, best is a bit, it's uh, it's qualitative, but say like the the final model, right? The the one that has, with all the last uh, the last perks. Is it a religion? If you want it to be, uh, I personally think that there's a lot of value in uh, in having a religious dilemma, because I think there's a lot of value into um, reappropriating the idea of religion. Like uh, we, especially in the Western uh, Western um, culture. We've been suffering so much from, well, 2000 years of, of Christianity that, well, Christianity of the church, I would say, mm, yeah. that brought along uh, abuse, that brought along, uh, you know, everything that, that kind, of, kind of let people become disillusioned with the idea of religion, with the idea of God. 
And I think this brought a disenchantment along, which it's almost like we lost um, we lost one of our senses, really. We lost the sense, right. we, we kind of lost the sense of wonder in a way. Uh, I'm not saying that religion is the only way to bring back this sense of wonder. Magic is another way, of course, to bring that. But I think that, you know, reappropriating of, of the concept of religion, by all means, religion means, comes from Latin, right? Re-legare, like to bind yourself again with, with the idea of wonder. There, there's a lot of good coming out. And Telema offers that avenue, if you want. Right, right, right. And now, for when you when you speak about the Telemic orders, uh, things get a little bit complicated there. So Crowley, at first, only conceived the AA. AA, there are two words, there are two letters that don't mean alcoholic anonymous. Everybody makes yeah. that joke. <laughs> um, I can make terrible jokes about it. I will not do that today. <laughs> Uh, those those letters can imply many different things. Uh, um, Argentum Astrum, the silver star. Uh, it can mean the angel in the abyss. Angel being the holy guardian angel, and the abyss being this moment, this 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 gulf in the Kabbalistic uh, tree of life that you have to cross in order to reach the supernals, Bina. And those two really are the fundamental steps in the Telemic initiation. The first. The man of earth is the neophyte. Then you have the, the lover or the adept. And the, the adept is the one that knows their true will and, uh, and has achieved the knowledge and conversation with the Holy Guardian Angel. And this is pretty much also what the Golden Dawn system ended. Like that, that, was, like, that was the vault of the adepti of Christian Rosenkreutz. You would not go further than that. In Telema, you can actually cross the abyss. You can actually move into the supernals by virtue of Babylon, of Baphomet, of Pan, and of various other... Uh, like very, um, very complex uh, uh, constructs, egregores, that can be seen as gods, but they are really much more than that. I like to think of them as processes, in fact. Mm. They're, they're more like processes. But the idea was that the AA was the one order that Crowley put together uh, many years after, in 1907, so seven years after he got booted from the uh, from the Golden Dawn, and say, you know what, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna make my own version of the Golden Dawn. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna get rid of the of the large structure of the Golden Dawn. I'm gonna keep some of it, not all of it, but it's gonna be like a magical system that we're gonna teach uh, philosophy, theology. Uh, we're gonna be go very deep into try and pretty much become like a PhD in magic. That was like right. his idea, his idea of growth. Mm -hmm. A few years later. Uh, and he was also, uh, by the way, he was also a Freemason, and he knew that Freemasonry at the time was very successful, was very in with the people, with people of power. Of course, this day and age, not the case anymore. But uh, a few years later, he um, um, he got he gets invited into the OTO, the OTO or the Templarientis Order of the Temple of the East, uh, was um, an, called an Academia Panmasonica, that is like a, a, an order that was put together by, in Germany by Karl Kellner and various others, and eventually um, gave, it, gave it more life by the, this other Freemason, very active Freemason, called Theodore Royce. And their idea was to simplify the structure of Memphis Mizraim, which was a system of 90 degrees of Freemasonry, heavily, heavily Egyptian esoteric. Mm -hmm. Simplify it in nine degrees from ninety to nine, and uh, adding what at the time was novelty, and that was yoga and tantra. 
So understanding the Tantra is, in fact, possibly the root of whatever we know as sex magic, really. And in our alchemy, they were like, let's put it all together. Let's create this very complex system. Now, there is no evidence that the OTO ever worked outside papers. <laughs> Up until Crowley in 1912 gets invited into it by virtue of Theodore Royce uh, coming and knocking at his door and say, um, Mr. Crowley, you are a fellow Mason, and I need to swear you into a, a hold of, of silence because you have published the secrets of my order, the OTO. Right. And was, yeah. And Crowley was like, you're talking about, like, I don't know anything about it. And uh, allegedly, in the Book of Lies, and I would say allegedly, quote unquote, it's, it's there, <laughs> Crowley um, published a couple of chapters where he really, really lays out uh, um, a very prolonged and complex uh, sexual magical operation, which is also called erotocomas lucidity or the sleep of Shilam, whereby, and that was the secret of the nine degree, like uh, pretty much the idea that you, you in order to, to create the, the stone of the wise by virtue of inner alchemy, you have to ruse yourself again and again and again, and then at the very end of very complex uh, successive uh, arousal moments, you focus all that will and all that arousal into one thing. Right. Um, it's generative. So that's where, for instance, like if you want to read more about it and it's written in plain sight, you can read Moonchild, like the famous um, novel by Crowley, pretty much like the only good novel, by the way, in, in my opinion. But read that one is really good. <laughs> and in Moonchild, you find a lot of magic in plain sight. You find the secrets of the OTO. You find the Barzabel working to kill your enemies. You find a lot of magic in plain sight over there. It, it is actually a good book. It is a good book. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't particularly rate uh, Crowley. Uh, it was a, it was a an eat and miss poet, poet. Like some is very good, some is horrible. Yeah. Uh, is Simon Hiff's stories? There's a lot of there's a lot of good ideas, but it's so wordy. But Moonchild is really good. Yeah. Um, Diary of the Drug, Diary of the Drug Fiend. Yeah, don't read Diary of the Drug Fiend. It's terrible. Like, don't yeah. do that. I, I've, I've never read any of the Simon If stories, um, which I would like to. Um, they've, been but, uh, they've been published recently. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like I said, it, they, you can really see um, the echoes of Karnaki or other like investigators, and it's it's nice. Uh, they can be a bit wordy from time to time. It's very interesting the the counterpoint between Cyril Gray and Simon If. Cyril mm. Gray being the younger adept that always wants to do things because it, like the adept is the one that's it's inf inflamed by you know working in Tifert and Gebura and Kesed, you know moving between those three energies. They're very like it's very mercy, severity, and mildness in the middle so very like always passionate and Simon if is the master it's it's very zen it's beyond everything yeah, and, yeah. And it, that's that's good to understand maybe more about what it means to be a master what it means to be an adept yeah. uh, from Crowley's yeah. perspective of course yeah 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 uh, so that maybe long story short back to the OTO um Crowley takes over makes it telemic Theodore Royce is happy with it Eventually, a few years later in the, in the, in the early 20s, uh, they gathered together with everybody in the world that was a member of the OTO at the time. And most of the people reject Crowley completely and reject the lemma. And they went on to create their own thing. The Fraternitas Saturni is uh, one of them, one group that went on and, and accepted Telema, but didn't accept Crowley as the prophet. Right, uh, right. Other OTO groups, but at the end, imagine all these OTO were Masonic groups. They were... 
they were not so much magical schools. They were Masonic schools. And the, magical and Masonic really means different things. Mm-hmm. In the sense that magic, it's something that can, you, you have to prove yourself. Like That's why you, the AA has a grading system, because you have to prove that you can do magic and you're graded for that. Like, okay, you can do this. This is your grade. Zelator, probationer, uh, dominus liminis, etc. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereby a Masonic system, it's more something that whereby you're 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 shown every time a gradation of the whole thing, right? And as you go through all the various grades, you complete the pie pretty much. But it's given to you. It's much more passive. Like right. you still have to, you still have to understand what what's given to you, but. It's what, you know, the magical system is very active. The Masonic system is very passive. Right. Now, hold hold that thought for a minute. I'm going to pause for a second. Great, because I'm... Yeah, okay. So I'm going to pause and we'll be back in uh, in a second. Okay, so a, like a really simplified sort of um, explanation of like a magical order versus a Masonic order, like, like a magical order, you go to temple, you, you know, do ritual, you perform magic, a Masonic order, you show up to lodge, you, you know, you have a lecture, it's not, you know, necessarily, you know, Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lalo Gonzalez. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.lalokanzawin.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Magical and ritual heavy. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, in Amazonic Lodge, you would say that the lecture is a ritual itself, right? Mm. The, everything, every part of, you know, if you look at the at the degrees of Freemasonry or the degrees of the OTO, you, they are really stories that are told you. And in the stories, there are allegories and metaphors and symbols that it's down to each person to pick up. But usually the candidate is there and this pageant is showed to them. To them, And that that's what, they, there's no much action or that they have to do. They have right. made Whereby a magician, like if you go to a magician lodge, uh, I mean, in I would say in ritual of initiation in, of the Golden Dawn tradition, it's they're very Masonic in nature. So yeah. you will still have you know, a candidate being driven driven around by the uh, what's called the Carrigs, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, there are other times when people come together and maybe do scrying or invocations or evocations. So that's it's it's much more active. I would say yeah. you know, the magic yeah. the magical side is active. The Masonic the Masonic side is passive. Right. That's a, right. We can think about it. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, just for listeners to to understand that there is, you know, there while there's commonalities there, there are differences there 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 definitely difference like big differences in fact yeah uh, of course this was in in crowley's idea the original idea what you find this day it's it's different like things have evolved uh, not always in in a great direction i would say mm-hmm. uh and maybe this is the time where i can tell you yeah i mean eventually i would join the audio in uh, 2012 and um 
and for a long time, for a good, for a good, like, for a good time, actually, I was full blown into it. It was a, it was an interesting time of my life. Um, my mother just passed. My father was very ill, and uh, and I had had to be pretty much like put my entire life on hold to go back and be um, be with, with with them, pretty much. Mm. And, you know, for somebody like me that up until that moment for over 10 years, I've been on tour, been being all over the world. Uh, and I didn't really have a big family connection at the time. Right. It was it was really like, OK, my life has been upended pretty much. It's I need to do something different. And this is where, in fact, the idea of finding an, a new family in the OTO became very appealing. Um, unfortunately, my story with the OTO, it's not a happy story. <laughs> um, I've. You can read it all. I, I wrote my story out and it's, you know, it's connected. If you go on marcoviscounti.org, which is my website, uh, you get the links to read. It's a bit, bit long. Like the, all, the, all the articles I wrote make for a good hour and something of reading. Right. The story, my story goes that, you know, I got into it. I got up to the degrees. I was treasurer in the Lodge of London, Ameth Lodge. And for the longest time, I thought that was my new family. And that was a, that was a, I could see there were problems with the, with the leadership. Uh, not so much, not so much in the UK in the sense the leadership of the UK was ineffectual, but it wasn't uh, criminal. Uh, mm. Whereby I realized that the leadership in the states was problematic. Uh, things came. So your the- lodge in London was um, connected to the the American OTO. Uh, so so the, the the OTO is a worldwide organization. There is, uh, there is, a, there are several grand lodges around countries, but there is like what's called international HQ that oversees everything. So it, 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 this is different from misery, whereby you know each country has their own grand lodge and that's it pretty much. They might, they can be in amity or not with the United Grand Lodge of England, which I belong to, which is the first one and the one that issues, you know, the, the recognition, like, yes, you are regular, no, you're not regular. Right. But apart from that, people, each country has their own, really. And each state in the United States, for instance, I guess in Canada as well, uh, it, it, it's pretty much self-contained. Not so much the ODO. The ODO, first of all, it's much smaller organization that, that you think. They, mm-hmm. claim to have, they claim to have 4,000 people worldwide. The real number is half of it because they count inactives. And an inactive is a person that, you know, gets initiated into the Minerval degree and never shows up anymore. Okay. Uh, Minerval degree would be like, say, like the neophyte? Yes, the first degree. It's uh, the the degree number, the the number is zero. And you're considered like a welcome guest, not even like a full-blown member. At least this is what is written in Crowley's uh, foundation. uh, Mm. The reality there is that by all means, by virtue of audio or incorporated, because it is incorporated in the United States, uh, it considers a Minerva as a as a member. And if you if you let's say that you show up and you get initiated into Minerva, and then you never you never ever get in touch with them anymore, but you don't tell them I'm out, I resign, they will still count you as a number. Okay. So they say it's the 4,000, real number is 2,000, uh, at least before pandemic. I guess the numbers now went down terribly. They haven't met in over a year and a half, so right. the numbers must have been... I, mean, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't even know if the audio is going to, to recover from COVID anyway. But my point being is that, um, yeah, the, my lodge in England was a member of um, the Grand Lodge of the United Kingdom. And the Grand Lodge of the United Kingdom as a Grandmaster, which is ineffectual, but it's 
from my understanding, is not a criminal, whereby people in the United States and at the top worldwide, they're, sever they're severely problematic. For reasons that, again, I like, like just to give you why I'm saying this, because all things came, came crashing down in August 17, when, you know, Unite the Rally, Charlottesville, neo-Nazis in the United States, when we first realized that that was a problem, uh, members of the ODO were there. <gasps> oh! Mm -hmm. Members of the ODO were there, and they were proudly displaying um, ODO hoodies. Getty Images circulates an, 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 a photo that became iconic of Gavin McKins, like this, one of these uh, alt-right uh, pundits, and one of this, one of the people that were acting as a bodyguard to, for for this guy was an audio member, and things things go down. And um, what we all realized is that a lot of people in the American leadership were perfectly fine with it, <laughs> and uh, wow. and so we realized that the, the, that from that point started like a severe smear campaign about everyone who was trying to say, hey, this is not right, because somebody called James Wasserman that passed last November, he was an important leader of the ODO and a full-blown Trump supporter, alt-writer, with severe white supremacist views as well. Mm -hmm. He was like, fuck you all. Sorry if I couldn't say that. <laughs> no, absolutely. You totally can. Yeah. Like, like um, I, I, this is telemic. He wrote. He, he went to you know. After that, this guy keep keep drumming his keep in, in you know in, uh, drumming this this idea and really enabled a lot of very nasty people in the audio to come out of the woodwork. He went on to write on Peg and Dawn, uh, oh sorry, New Dawn magazine, not Peg and Dawn, absolutely not Peg and Dawn, New Dawn magazine, um, uh, an article about how Trump was pretty much Crowley. And you can, it, it, those, those were insane years, trust me. Um, yeah. It's really, it, it's really insane to me that even more those years that a lot of people are trying to forget that this happened. And I made it up on myself and there's several others as well that we will not let people forget because uh, um, it doesn't matter if you are liberal or conservative. Um, there were, there were, these people were with white supremacists, like yeah. the people that, uh, there are still members of the OTO that have posted their presence at the insurrection of the Capitol in January. So just this is this is the kind of people we're dealing with, and it's not it, it's not just a bubble. There is a lot of it. Like I said, like if you want to go more into it in the detail, you you can read the stuff on my on my medium. Um, it's connected with the idea of trying to establish a telemic theocracy. And that didn't work out. Right. <laughs> uh, trying to establish some people like Jet, Jet, Jet Daniel Gunter and Bill Breeze, which is the, um, the 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 worldwide leader of the audio, as you know, uh, pretty much like new prophets. And since they realized they could not do it with the liberals, they start to, this, which was you know the West Coast dilemma of California. Lon Milo Duquette, great great guy. He's still a member of the audio. Uh, he didn't quit, but he's he's a good guy, right? And for the longest time. That was pretty much the the figurehead of the movement, uh, but that didn't work out because apparently you cannot herd cats and you cannot herd telemites because uh, telemites, if they're telemites, they will try and follow their will. But 
there was there's been this con this ongoing uh, attempt to establish this theocracy whereby there's one AA, there's one OTO, uh, everything that that doesn't fall in line from what we say they're heretics, they're not real Thelemites, and who were the only people that listened to this? White supremacists or right. people on the absolute extreme right of the political spectrum. It's funny because a lot of these people think of me as a communist or a liberal. I'm neither. <laughs> I am I am moderate right, if you want, right? That's where that's where I would put it. I have I have liberal sensibilities, definitely, uh, because I grew up I grew up in Italy where it, well it, the political spectrum like the overtone window is not there in Italy yet. <laughs> you can still get a, an actual center, an actual right, an actual left, right? Right, right, right. Uh, but, but but like you know a lot of these people you know thought oh Marco Visconti is a communist Marco Visconti uh, is a Bernie bro I'm, I couldn't be further than that to be fair but I'm anti-fascist and I am I've always been and I always will be and um, so you can imagine this was like the shitstorm that started and that it led me for me resigning from the audio because I, because I decided no no you're not gonna count my number anymore I'm resigned like I'm out right, uh, right, right. in recent years like the, those people say oh well Marco has been expelled from the audio it's very it's very rare that people that, that they expel anybody from the audio um, and I haven't <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that if I were to say hey I want to come back they would say no because they do have like a shit list pretty much right uh, right and yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm on it right now yeah. but. But I'm, 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 I wear that with pride. Yeah. This without telling you that at the same time, there was a case of rape in the UK uh, inside the OTO. We spoke about it out loud and the people, the people this time in the UK OTO, uh, Grand Lodge, they tried to hush-hush it away. And that's when I discovered it wasn't the first time. It happened before. They had a case of pedophilia. They had all sorts of stuff whereby yeah, it's a shit storm, and I don't want to be part of this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Who can blame you? Who can blame you? I, I, I heard that they the OTO did like a purge of people, of members recently. Uh, they so they've been purging people left and right forever. Usually, people like me, like they pur over the year they pur they purge people that were actually amazing, um, amazing members. Like I don't know, Gerald Campo or um, Alan Greenfield. He might be a bit weird from time to time, but he was he, he was he was the first. Like in two thousand six, he wrote something similar to what I write. I wrote as well. Like you know, these are the problems of the ODO. Mm -hmm. uh, another big problem of the ODO, which is connected with this idea of trying to establish this Thelemic theocracy, is that they don't initiate anymore. In the sense that yes, you can join, you can get to the to the first triad, which is really made of six degrees, but the idea is that after that there's uh, that's called the invitational degrees and uh, unless you are a nice bootlicker that always say yes you'll never get there because oh, then oh, right. you really try to say let, let's try and, and 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 purge all the undesirables and only keep the ones that, that knows how to do the goose step pretty much yeah, yeah. Uh, i think that something that i've heard recently uh is that apparently bill breeze is stepping down finally after 35 years 40 years i don't know how long it is 35 mm -hmm. and the, the problem is that there's no one better there like like everybody else that could take over there's no one better uh people in other outside the us the us like people in italy a lot of them are very on the right wing spectrum of things 
very very um connected with strange ideas as well um it's it i i do think that the audio will will not exist in five years times i do think that there's so much information out there for people to have to make informed decision if they want to join or not right i realize there's a there's no alternative in the sense that if you want to go and experience like i don't know the gnostic mass where do i go there's only the OTO. I mean, if you live in a big city, it I say the OTO is minuscule. Like it's irre- it's already irrelevant. But they have they have more people than the average, right? So if you go, I don't know, to LA, if you go to San Francisco, New York, London, uh, Vancouver in Canada, Toronto, I guess as well, Chicago, you will find an OTO group, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you want to see the rituals with your eyes, that, that's where you want to go. The pro- big problem is most of the time this, you'll see these things like in, in shitty community centers because, because there's no money behind it, obviously. Right. But it's still, you'll, if you need to, again, to scratch that itch, there's really no other options so far. But I also know uh, that COVID really hit them very hard because... Like they could only offer that. They haven't been able to offer that for a very year and a half now. Um, lots of people left and never come back. Mm-hmm. And and when new people go and try to say, should I join the audio? There's again, there's so much information out there right now that people would think twice. And we even scratch uh, things like the prison ministry, whereby you know, super high high ranking member of the. This was my, my, many years before my time as well. Like I think, twenty years ago or something. Um, but if you look OTO prison ministry scandal on Google, you will learn that basically, yeah, this guy who was a, a convicted murderer, and uh, the and there was also an OTO member, and he he asked the OTO to pledge for him that that it was he was reformed, so he would go out. They did. He got out, and he murdered again. <gasps> wow! It's, it's, it's just that can give you an idea of the people at the top at the OTO. They have no ability of discernment. They should be. Like the member of the ninth degree of the audio, they should be like saints on earth. They are secretaries at best, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. not very good at that either. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. If you listen to this podcast, don't join the audio. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem, though, with with you know magical orders and groups and whatnot. Um, well, especially with with orders. Um, whether it's GD, OTO, whatever, you know, these orders with temples and, you know, hundreds of people or whatever, um, you you have all the setup, right? You have all the officers, every, you know, you have the great temple furniture, everything's perfect. What you don't have is um, an ability yeah. to to deal with, conflict you know the the way you know uh uh frater rc brings this up quite a bit you know one thing you got to give the church credit for is it's it does have the ability to um deal with with um personalities and conflict like there's mechanisms there in place which you don't have in yeah. these in these smaller orders and smaller groups and when things can get out of control they can really really spiral out of control absolutely uh i would say part of it is because you know the church had i mean when we say the church let's say the catholic church remember mm-hmm. like they had like 2000 years to really like fine tune all of this and if you yeah. look at the history of it well 
they they used to have the Inquisition, or they used to have used to you know, murder popes and 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 um, cardinals and whatnot, right? Yeah. So it's different now, and even nowadays they they have a lot of problems, as we know. Oh yeah, I I mean I'm not saying like you know in they're they're certainly not perfect, but at least they have they have the mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, at least they think about it. They think about it. Uh, in the OTO, there's something called the path of mediation, which is a very puny attempt uh, at it. And yeah, pretty much yeah. it goes about, you know, it, it's it's a long it's it's a long manual. Uh, it's a lengthy manual, but uh, it goes about pretty much like um, do as you're told, just like don't question authority, which right. it's interesting because in the Minerval degree of the OTO, you are told that you in order to be more telemic and more more serviceable about your true will you must to relinquish authority but then when you go to the perfect initiate which is like the end of the manovert you are finally presented in you 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 present to, to babylon and babylon tells you all your oaths means nothing you because at the end of the day you have to mingle all your blood everything you've done into my cup so there's so basically it's really like it's, it, it works very well if you go through the entire system of the first triad of the OTO. It's actually a very dynamic message. So you start by saying, hey, no, I'm going to be a slave to the authority. But then at the end, Babylon tells you, nope, that's that was just a test, right? Yeah. You, you are the only authority to yourself. And that is a very dynamic message. Most people never get to see that degree. Not because that degree is not invitational, but because people just are they are not in, in they're not incentivized to go through the to the end of it. They're they're just like left to their own devices. There's a the huge problem with OTO, and it maybe it is with also in the Golden Dawn, right? I I've never joined the Golden Dawn. That's one thing I never joined. But I have a lot of people that friends that are a member of the Golden Dawn and they told me there's similar problems there. Oh the problem Problem, problem is a problem of leadership. Like these groups lack good leadership. Yeah. These people lack people that. Do you remember when we said at the beginning that you know running a group it's or being a guru, right? It's a lot of work. People that that got into these positions of leadership in the OTO. I can't. I cannot speak for the the Golden Dawn, but definitely for the OTO. It's really like the the, the classic boomer. Like I had it easy all my life, and of course I'm gonna be the leader, but I'm only gonna be the leader for the fun bits, and I'm not gonna take responsibility for anything else. Right. Yeah. 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 Problematic to be fair. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, that sounds about right. That uh, that definitely sounds about right. So, um, so within the OTO, you know, like they have the great structure and all that, and you know lodges so i'm trying to wrap my head around because all i have to go by is is you know magical orders like you know the order of bards ovates and druids and and the golden dawn and that's my frame of reference so if i'm a member of the oto and i have a local lodge and i'm going there once a month like it's not they're not uh it's not like a magical order like the golden dawn where i'm going there to do ritual and magic and scrying and invocation like it, it it's it's it would be more masonic in the sense like there's the ritual there but it's it's the 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 lecture not not so much the the you can, uh, you can think of it like that yes okay okay it has to be said that 
um, because of lack of leadership and clear vision, and it ended up always the case that each lodge, each oasis, each camp, there are different, there are different tiers, right? But let's say um, each local body that uh, administered the degrees of the Manover Triad, and I would say even in chapters that administer the degrees of the Lower Triad, uh, it's really down to each individual. The, the, like you know, the the what is the tradition of your local lodge? In my local lodge, for instance, when I was member of Ahmed Lodge. Uh, we would have we would meet once a month for do degree work, so you know to 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 pass the people to the various degrees. We would do you know one third degree, uh, two second degrees, four first degrees, and ten minervals. You know, uh, that there was a time where like there were a lot of people wanted to join. Nobody, almost no one stayed, but a lot of people joined, right? And the idea is it's a funnel really. Like you would get like ten minervals, and at the and you would get only one person of those ten to become a perfect initiate. Right. Which part of it it's how you want to expect. Part of it is because it's lack of leadership, lack of vision, as I said. Mm-hmm. We also would meet once a month to uh, celebrate the Gnostic Mass. The Gnostic Mass, as I said, it is the religious aspect, the religious ritual of of dilemma, and it's it's possibly my favorite ritual ever. Right. It's, beautiful when properly done and it's so multifaceted and so very well structured that it really it kind of if you know where to look the gnostic mass will tell you everything you know you need to know of every degree of the oto like all the all the messages are there in plain sight it's heavily hidden in allegory of course but it's all there beautiful um and then what we would do as well is that we would maybe run classes. We would we would run classes on. We would we would do like a no canning uh, uh, scrying, but that's not part of the curriculum of the OTO. The OTO proper, it's only the degree work and uh, the explanation of the degree work. Right. And running the Gnostic Mass, like okay. So ideally, that's it. That you you wouldn't do anything else. Now again, because uh, there's no clear vision, then each lodge would do pretty much whatever they want. <laughs> That's the reality of that. Okay. No. Okay. That makes that makes more more things more more clear because you know, like I, said, I just assumed, you know, OTO. It's it's a it's a magical order. They're you know they're the the Thelemic version. I, I don't mean it this way, but like the Thelemic version of the Golden Dawn, where like it's a magic order. People show up to do magic and it's magic. You know a magic the, ritual. the point is that in many ways is the Thelemic version of the Golden Dawn in the sense only for the grade work though. Sorry yeah. for the degree. Like the degree work, they are both done in a lodge setting whereby you have a candidate which is passive and a series of officers that are active and do the ritual for the candidate. Then, of course, it diverges in the sense that ideally the OTO should do only that. Mm-hmm. And if you were to want to do magic per se, which is goes everything from the pentagrams, the hexagrams, uh, scrying, Enochian, invocations, evocations, grimoires, that should be the realm of the AA, right? Right. But yeah. Because, because because there's no clear vision and because everything is is up in the air, you would end up you know with some lodges maybe doing also some of that. Like I said, Ameth Lodge, we would do uh, Enochian's crying. There's been we did some Go- Goetic evocations, uh, and the reality there is also again maybe because it was also very a very uh, lazy leadership there as well. Uh, it was never organized. Like people say, well you know you can come together and organize. Like if you want to get together, do it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, also because remember that we didn't have a permanent temple space because people were very happy to drop 50, 100 pounds at night on, on at the pub. But if you were, I, I, I was a treasurer. If I was asking, maybe we should raise the our monthly subs a little bit because we need to hire a place. We're in London. Everything is very costly. Oh, no, I'm not paying more than 15. The same people that, you know, would get drunk, like completely plastered. Yeah. And yeah. London, London is not cheap. So, but getting plastered at a pub in London was 50, 100 pounds. Uh, uh, priorities, right? That that was my experience. Yeah, that. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that clears up a lot of, of um, questions and and I think miss... Um, I think I, I assumed a lot. Well, just because I didn't know a lot about the OTO, I just, I assumed a lot of, of what it was or not. But then I was also thinking like, well, you know, how is the OTO a magical lodge where they're all showing up and doing magic together if it's primarily sex magic? Because then, uh, it, would, then yeah. it would just, then it would just be an orgy then. And well, you know what? That That's the thing. That's another thing. Like, um, there's no sex magic in the OTO up until you reach the high degrees. And by that, I mean, you know, seventh, eighth and ninth degrees. But the thing is that oh. nobody, nobody reaches those degrees. Oh, right. Okay. Because nobody's get, like, when I, when I left the OTO, there were worldwide, there were only 32, nine degrees. After I left three of those nine degrees left as well. So as much, as far as I know, of course, maybe a couple more may that may have been made this in, in in the last three years, but there are only like twenty nine, right? <laughs> and right. And there are on the world, and that is the nine degree was the degree that Crowley expected everybody to reach because Crowley did expect everybody to learn and and study sex magic and practice sex magic. Pretty much everybody Crowley expected that everything that's hidden in plain sight in the Gnostic Mass would be performed by nine degrees members of the OTO. Maybe, you know, not after one year of membership, but maybe not even after 30 years, which is like, which is like I've heard that's the, the average time that people, you know, get to nine degree. The reality there is that a lot of the people that are nine degree have got bootstrapped there because they're friends with the leadership and they needed uh, bums on seats, seats, as they say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and after that, since that degree, I mean, that's the only, it's the character on the stick that they put in front of people. We're like, well, we're only getting very few in. And only if you like, you told the party line and you just never, you just do what you're told, which is untelemical as, as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it. Uh, so the reality is that, yeah, I can, I can imagine how people say, uh, are they only meet, meet for orgies? No, there's no sex magic at all. At all. Like, there's not, there's no actual practice sex magic. Well, unless- yeah, that's the yeah, see, now that's where I was confused in my head because I'm in my head, I've decided that the OTO was a magical order like the Golden Dawn, but at the same time, I'm like, well, they do sex magic. So if they're doing sex magic, yeah. that would <laughs> basically be an orgy. And I know they're not doing orgies because they're, that reputation isn't out there. You Because you know, if yeah. they were doing orgies, if their rituals were were like these, like everyone got together in the lodge doing sex magic that you'd have you'd have that that um you know the the rumors and the gossip and blah 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 so i'm like okay 
I, I don't know what the OT is. OTO is now. You know, this is interesting yeah. because uh, if I don't know if you watched Strange Angel, which was the, the CBS show on the story of Jack Parsons. Yeah. Uh, they, I think I loved, I loved the show. I really loved the show. I'm very, I was very sad when they canceled it after season two, when things were getting interesting. It's a very romanticized version of the history of Jack Parsons. Very, yeah. very, um, very faithful in certain places. It completely goes, in, goes completely out of bounds in certain others, but it was very well done, very tastefully done. And of course you see uh, what's Agape Lodge in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And you see how the Gnostic Mass, it's very sexualized. There's like actual se- actual sex acts there. All, and the thing is, it's funny because, so the story goes that uh, Greg Wise, which is plays the, the Magus, Alfred Miller, which is the character um, uh, modeled on Wilfred T. Smith, uh, Greg Wise came to Amethyst Lodge. Uh, and uh, I, we didn't know who he was. I mean, I guess some people know. I didn't know who he was. I was, the, I was actually uh, officiating as a deacon in the Mass. And he came along, watched the Mass with the production team. And, and then, and then we, we talked with him for a while. I was like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm this actor. I'm doing, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, we're doing Strange Angel. And we would like to hear more about the Gnostic Mass. Mm-hmm. And I remember somebody saying, well, you know, this is the Gnostic Mass. You've seen it. There's no sex. But maybe you want to put some sex into, into your show to make it more interesting. I was like, yeah, we were thinking about that already. It's like, yeah. uh, and in fact, it's funny because when you, when you speak with a lot of like serious Thelemites, which are a plague on earth, if you ask me, they're like, oh, the show was terrible because they all show the mass to be like an orange. I was like, you know what? That'd be better in many ways because the only reason we don't do, well, we, I'm not a member of the other, they don't do anymore. They don't do some actual uh, practical sex magic is because they are banned from being of the right degree. They're not given directly the instruction. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of course, I mean, I also think that it would create a lot of a lot of very difficult problems that 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 they're not not ready to tackle. Right. Because, you know, you bring the kind of energy into a social environment. If anybody is not completely vetted and completely, you know, with their minds, you know, you know, you're just opening a Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, uh, Crowley, Crowley wrote the Gnostic Mass and the Gnostic Mass is an allegory of sex is sex everywhere because yeah. the idea is that this is this is what we do but this is the what this is what this is almost like for the either for the lower degrees over for the uninitiated masses but you can start like wrapping your mind around of what we should do right 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 unfortunately that's not the case <laughs> yeah it always annoys me when um uh people in in the occult world uh bitch about movies or television shows that's not real witchcraft or that's not the real gnostic mass good good <laughs> i don't want to watch the real gnostic mass on strange angels i want two people going at it on an altar with an audience because i want to be entertained um I mean, no, we don't shoot uh, fireballs out of our wands. Um, So, but when I'm doing some really powerful rituals, I feel like I can shoot fireballs out of my wands. So since I can't do that, um, show me on screen doing that. I mean, it's the idea, you know, it's the idea of perpetuating a mythos that inspires people, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's what me it's what myths do right yeah. um and also the reality is there uh there are two videos of the gnostic mass out there one is better than the other but they're both cringy as fuck <laughs> so oh. my point being is that uh, i'm not gonna name names i mean you people can find it if they want yeah. one is really bad and one is okay but the problem is that filming a ritual kind of gives all the magic away when yeah. i look at when i look at those two performance i know that in the first one i would hate it but in the second one if i was there with the light mood uh, the low lights and into the moment i would say this is actually a great mass mm. yeah but watching it since since there is no sex since there is no since the people are not hollywood actors that look beautiful right but they're normal people yeah uh the kind of the glamour that it's felt in the moment it's gone exactly and that's, and that's yeah. bad you don't want that exactly. <laughs> you want to like, the glamour. <laughs> yeah i want hollywood to show what i'm feeling you know i don't want you know there's there's a great movie i'm sure you've seen it a dark song i love it absolutely i love it but nothing about well almost nothing about that well nothing about that what they did was the Abermelon operation. I, you know, I, I, I think they convey the complexity of it. But that's exactly it. But I mean, like for anyone's like, well, that's not the Abermelon operation. Like, thank God, because yeah. I don't want to sit there for two hours watching them sit and not say a word and eat bread and drink water. <laughs> exactly. that, that to me is an entertainment. So... No, I mean, I, I love A Dark Song. One of my best friends worked on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, and she told me, like, the the the, the director and the, the wrote also the script is he really into magic. Like, he really say, I want to try and exactly what you say. I want to convey what I would feel by, you know, by go being into the space. And, of course, it's, it's not perfect. But I personally believe it's one of the best magic movies of all time. Oh, it, it's absolutely, absolutely. It is such a good movie. For anyone that's listening and has no idea what we're talking about, it's called uh, A Dark Song. A Dark Song. Such a great movie. It's just, the the thing is, like, with people, well, but that's not the Abermelon operation. No, no. And, and and good. Thank, thank you for not filming two hours I mean, of the Abermelon operation. To be fair, that also tells me that possibly it is, you know, there's no idols. They've never done the Abermelian operation because if you did it, you know, it's unfilmable. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's yeah. no, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, I it just, I, I just hate when people uh, criticize um, uh, the occult in movies and television shows for not being correct. I'm like, I, I don't want correct. I, I don't want to see someone um trace a pentagram without seeing a pentagram light up and and fly off you know uh at the, at the same time i think we are very close to have a workable vr so that's gonna be like virtual reality that's gonna be an interesting new ground to break because that, that's gonna be where where you will be able to see pentagrams flying around and say yeah. okay where is the difference between you know my inner words and uh, and and what I can actually see with my senses? Uh, that that's I I really hope we're not gonna destroy ourselves too soon because I would love to see that. For right. a while. 
I'm like, the world's on fire, but don't burn it all down until I get the VR rituals going on. Uh, so just give it, just give it a little bit more time, please. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be uh, that would be fascinating. Um, I there there I think there's value to um, doing ritual in a VR environment. I mean, I I please. Oh no, I was just gonna say like I I um I'm reevaluating my ideas and preconceived notions of cyber magic and um uh getting together virtually for you know with with people spread out all over getting together virtually on zoom doing magic and so i i'm i'm re just through experience um with with frater rc through his hermetic mystery school what we've been doing as a group um i'm i'm having to reevaluate everything and and explore new concepts with um uh the value of the internet and uh yeah i see i see vr as um a uh, a viable tool in in many ways in in many ways um i mean you know what i think that is gonna the trick there will be to still use it as um you know as a launching pad to to you know to to get to the idea okay what should i see what mm -hmm. should i feel what are the colors whereby yeah. if it becomes a crutch and then people are unable to, to you know to think for themselves well that that that's that would not be magic that would be entertainment again right well, so it, yeah exactly yeah but i you know for people that have a hard time visualizing and they can never visualize the pentagrams the circle whatever so you go into your vr environment and your and i think this would take a bit of practice because i think you would get caught caught up so much in the vr experience that you would lose focus on what you're actually doing so i think there, there there'd be a little bit of um a learning curve there which is fine that's just that's like true. anything new you know a learning curve with anything new so that's okay that doesn't invalidate this as a tool um but for them to be able to actually see what some of us actually see yeah. i mean and, like they, and they train they train their minds they train their imagination so they can do without the vr and and start seeing what some of us can see, see. and yeah. if we're and if we're meeting for a ritual as a group um through zoom well now let's do it in a virtual like golden dawn temple or wood grove or stone circle yeah we're still Absolutely. together but we're now together in a different format so that that aspect hasn't really changed you know it's just it's the format and and uh yeah i definitely like i said i've been i've been doing rituals on zoom um in my community which at first i was really uh, against it mm -hmm. and then I've, I've been convinced and there is there is some value in it but i also i also feel a lot of the of the limitations of of, of this environment and like i said like you know bringing the vr into that that would be that would be really good yeah. uh Hopefully, we will be able to to strike the right balance. As I said like it's going to be a learning curve. That there's no denying that. 
yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. That would be nice. That would be really nice. I mean, for someone like me that's fortunate, like I'm, I'm, I have, um, a, a dedicated ritual room and it's a sizable room it's like like 18 by 18 so it's 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 pretty big um and it's a dedicated space so that you know i'm fortunate in that in that regards but not everyone has that dedicated yeah. space so if if they could you know um just pop into the into the cyberspace and be there right yeah you know i i think there would be a lot of value uh to to some people um absolutely yeah i don't think i don't think it's something i i think six months ago or maybe a year ago i i would discount it out of hand um i i don't think we can discount it i really don't i i think i think it's it's it can possibly be a, a viable tool. Um, you know, that, that's where maybe one of the of the positive things of the of the pandemic experience is that now new grounds have been have been explored, and and you you can never put everything in the box, right? Yeah, you can, we we can all have Zoom fatigue right now, and we all want mm -hmm. to go back to like real life and uh, real experiences, but we all know that this is a thing. Another thing that I learned through my again through my community is that. A lot of people were like, you, we we love this because maybe we have some disabilities. Maybe we cannot travel. Maybe we can walk. And and this has gave us the opportunity to actually be, first of all, be considered. Yeah. Because we have considered before. And to experience things that we never thought we would. And that's, that's I mean, again, you also get, get to um, give value to so many people that you would never do before. I mean, again, one of the, the points of Freemasonry, right, is that you would see, you would slip shot the candidate to see if they were, they had both feet, because like, if, if you had any, any blemishes on your body, back then you would be barred from membership, not the mm -hmm. case anymore. But we still have a lot of people that can add a lot of great value to a magical group, but maybe they're wheelchair bound. Right. Uh, with, you know, with, with this experience, they can, they can be part of it. And yeah. it's... Uh, uh, it, it's we are we are an interesting we are at interest and an interesting crossroads i feel um as every time you are in moments like this there is a lot that can go wrong but you know what for once i want to believe that things can go right as well <laughs> i know right i mean that's my default setting um i do have my my uh times of of pessimism but my my default setting is you know like relatively optimistic um I mean, you know, I keep reminding myself we're we're in such a, a state of upheaval right now. I keep reminding myself that this isn't the first time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. you know, humans have been around for a minute. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we just need to go back. You know, uh, you, we we don't. I mean, we can talk about all sorts of of historical events, but we just have to go back yeah. um, to the '60s and the '70s and the upheaval there. Guess what? We survived. Absolutely. You know, like we 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 can survive this. And it just like you hope that we survive it and come out the other side better. I think, you know, I I mean I, I guess this time around we, we have the climate change problem like weighing hard on us. Mm -hmm. Uh so that that might that might have put um us on a you know on a countdown. 
but hey, you know what? Um, step by step, right? Yeah. Let's see tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't know. <laughs> this, okay, this sound, this probably sounds pessimistic, but I don't really think of it being pessimistic. I really don't know if there's a lot of value to humanity um, existing. Uh, so if we if we destroy the environment and make the earth unlivable i don't actually think that's a big deal uh because we can be extinct i mean we're we're not the center of the universe i mean that's um, the point right so you know no, what one else, no one no one else on this planet no other uh species would miss us i mean that, you know that's like oh we're gonna destroy the earth no no. We're gonna die. Deer's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna destroy us, not exactly. the earth. Exactly. The earth. The earth will recover, and um, other life forms will evolve. And exactly. uh, you know, I mean, so I like now. I'm not saying this as in, oh, I'm not going to uh, recycle or um, yeah, of course, you of know, course. drive an electric car. I don't mean it in that way. I just mean I'm gonna do my part. Um, and if we fail as a species to to stop climate change, um, where there's no going back and we end up destroying ourselves, I don't think that's a big deal. I, I just, I really don't think that's a big deal. If, if we're gone in a couple of hundred years, I don't, it, it's not a big deal. It is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Uh, I mean, it's it sucks for maybe, you know, if we get to see the end, like us, our generation, it's gonna suck for us, but you know what? Yeah. Hey, yeah. I also think that we incarnate uh, to live what we need to live through, uh, and maybe this is a very uh, Zen approach, but that's that's mine. So hey, you know what? We'll we'll see the end of the world. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Maybe this this is a great moment, like a great, great like you know, uh, final moment as well. <laughs> it's like it's been it's been good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm getting some strange emails. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Don't we always get strange emails? Isn't that isn't that life? Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I think my internet connection is also start to die off. I cannot see you anymore. Oh. Uh oh. Oh uh, no, you're back. You're back. You're okay. Back. Okay. Okay. Because yes. you didn't free you didn't freeze or anything. So, on my end, it seems fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like you, you've talked a bit about your, your Patreon, but you know, for the listeners that may be interested, maybe if you can go a little bit more in depth, like exactly what's happening, you know, there, um, cause, uh, why else, what else are you here for? Except, uh, you know, promote yourself. So self-promotion. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. For the space, first of all, uh, so uh, we um, we have this community called Magic Without Tears, which is a title of a, a Lester Crowley book, um, and it started as a way for me to pretty much try and share, as I said, the very basics of, of magic, the way it was taught to me, and the way I I taught it to some students in the AA. Um, I. I stopped taking students in the AA some years ago because I 
do believe that the time for orders is over. Like it's something that I wrote about a lot, and it's something that I I think that we're we need to change the way we pass on these noses. And the idea was, like I said, it was born from from the pandemic last year. I start writing these lessons. I start writing uh, like a newsletter, and from the newsletter, you know, people were like, "Where, where can we get more?" And that's where the Patreon came together. I, I already had the Patreon there, but it was it was very like only a few friends on that that were just support, and it was very there all over the place. I would post like music bits. I would post like uh, articles before I would put them on an academic union on a medium. Um, and then the reality there it became it's it's a community where you can come on and learn the basics of magic by no it's pretty much like an interactive primer if you want okay mm-hmm. it's one of those it is like it there's nothing and we're not gonna we're not teaching you anything that you won't find into any any beginner's magic book okay uh you know speaking about you know um, the basics of yoga of pranayama of asana of dharana uh and then um going into you know the pentagram rituals what they are why we do them uh introducing eventually the hexagram rituals introducing you know um the forces that bind this universe this reality together uh, a little bit of kabbalah mystical kabbalah you know like classic things you would find in an israel regretty book right find. that's it but what we did and i say we because um over the over the last year uh, i put together a group of you know group like those were like the first students now really are helping me as well you know with being like moderators around in the community but also like sharing their own experience uh, it's it's what I call like an interactive primer. Like you have a chance, you have a chance of you know getting a book, read the book, and uh, try to make sense of yourself, or doing that plus being part of the of a community like mine, whereby you can ask questions and say, hey, you know, I I've done the pentagram for the, the LBRP for the first time. Um, this is how I do it. Is it correct? Is it is it what did I do wrong? What did I do the right? Uh, the the experience also expanded a lot because uh, we've been starting you know, scrying the the Nokian ethers. Uh, I put together like a way of going about it, you know, doing it online on Zoom, which at first I was really like, this is never gonna work, and apparently it works very well because yes. possibly like <laughs> it works very well, and uh, we experienced with um, what's called like the ultra terrestrial operation trying to put together ideas from um a show called hellier which i'm wearing their shirt by the way i saw that no goblins one star, no, one yeah. star. and um uh i i i was really drawn to hellier because they it to me it, it was like mind-blowing when i realized there was a show on, on you know mainstream was well, not on tv right but mainstream reach whereby they would speak about dilemma it's mm-hmm. uh, Full blown into it, and then when Alan Greenfield shows up, I was like, "What? The, what?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And um, and I wrote my ideas of what Hellier is, and it was actually very well received. Uh, I got like Greg Newkirk uh, got in touch with me and invited me to speak at his conference, uh, an online conference, where I I gave my lecture on what I think is happening from a telemic standpoint. Yeah, uh, and from that. I realized that, yeah, I mean, this is a moment where this community can expand itself. We don't have to do only like the magical primer. We can entertain the idea of using different tools, which maybe come from the paranormal world, which is some a term that's so scoffed by serious magicians. But yeah. I realized that it's all about people seeking 
the the other right yeah. we call them angels uh they call them aliens uh for me there's almost no difference i mean there there might be nuances there and i but you know like the idea is that it's always about searching for answers yeah. and so yeah. we, we did that we did that over over a few months a lot of interesting experience came out of it um we try now we're trying we're getting them in a moment right now well, for instance i also did a lot of lectures on esoteric freemasonry uh, on babylon what is Babylon? everybody speaks about babylon what is babylon who is babylon where is babylon you know um and uh, and even like some very introductory uh, lectures on on Crowley and Telema, right? You know, uh, I wrote, and there's also the part whereby we do live streams every week. Uh, we're taking a break for here in uh, in August because, like, at least pretend there's a little bit of holiday time. <laughs> but right, but in general, we do like six live streams a month, like one one every every Wednesday, where people are just like you know compile a series of questions that are pertaining both the material. That's the articles or even questions in general. Mm -hmm. And I or other people that have maybe experienced can 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 try and have a discussion like like almost like getting together and have a symposium on esoteric terms. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then something that I started recently and it's been going very well. Um, I realized that, you know, I don't want to be a guru despite some of my detractors might think yeah. uh, so i was like yeah this is my community and i'm, I'm very protective of it but i'm, I'm i started bringing in people some of so far so far some some of my friends that are you know they're they've been like magicians and practitioners for the longest time uh themselves and just bring them in and say hey here to listen to this person and so far i had rodney orpheus uh, Peter Lavenda, which introduced us the idea, like he, he, he wrote his new book with Jeffrey Evans called The Rights of Mummy, which apparently it's going to be a very sound mathematical uh, solution to the riddle of Liber Alba Legis. Very, very curious to hear about, to read when it comes out October or November. And a couple of weeks ago, um, my good friend Alexis Minkola of the, the industrial band Three Teeth uh band has been on tour with tool rammstein very famous right now like they really they really blew blow up and he's a magician as well uh so we discussed about uh you know, chaos magic and he what the way he brings magic into his music um next week next not next week to a couple of days actually i'm inviting um daisy dora which she, she is um a mystic that works a lot with the divine feminine and i met her here in glastonbury okay. uh, and, and she is like she she's like she's she works with bubble but she's not a telemite so you know like try to bring a diff, different voices right that yeah. uh, it, it, because what was really important for me growing up was being able to read across the border like across everything and and just try to get to be exposed as much as possible to uh, magic ideas and i feel that in this day and age, despite us having access to all the information, we are, we end up in our little you know echo chambers. Oh, so, of course. Like the golden donors will not do anything outside the golden donor. The, the telemites will only listen to Crowley, and mm. uh, and that's the death of it, right? So again, to, long story short, this is what Magic Without Tears is. Um, I think it's a great experience, and uh, if you if you guys want to join. Um, uh, patreon.com slash Marco Visconti. Uh, that's me. <laughs> that was a good sales pitch. And like all of your links um, 
will be in the show notes so everyone can just you know click and 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 go to your patreon and website and follow you on social media and whatnot so so it'll be easily accessible for every for everyone listening I tend to be if they're watching this on YouTube so. I tend to be very spicy on uh, on social media from time to time no um, you don't say really? I think it's part of it's part of my, of my of my glamour right there's a little bit of spice in there uh actually it's funny because I started doing these live streams on Instagram as well um because Instagram for whatever reason is my main social media outlet uh and it's it's really fun because I get like these hundreds of people showing up for me for like half an hour and I don't know me. if I follow you on Instagram I mean I I follow you on on um Twitter. definitely on Twitter definitely that's um, where we met but yeah. Um, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, like no, if, I do. Yeah, I do. And, and I do this every. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do them for all of August uh, because I say like like uh, I'm gonna get a bit of a holiday, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna do them on Thursdays at 11 p.m. BST. That is um, London time. So basically, pretty much one hour from now. I don't know. I don't know what time is it over there. But uh, I I try to be as late as possible uh, from my side. Because another thing of the pandemic that, that like I started going to bed at seven with the pandemic and wake up at four thirty five in the morning. Oh, so now I'm trying to readjust. I'm trying to trying to readjust to a new normal. <laughs> We're completely opposite because I'm going to bed at like three in the morning, and, and then you wake up <laughs> getting up at like nine thirty in the morning. Like for me, for me, it's been it's been very interesting. Like especially during the winter here, like like when everything is dark, I was like, you know what. Going to bed, <laughs> going to bed, and then wake up with the sun. Pretty much, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting experience. Let me tell you. So yeah, that's where you can find me. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And lastly, um, you did a well. I, I think it was supposed to be like an in-person thing. Then it went virtual. Um, you had a convention last. Oh month. yeah. So, so no. The, so. It was supposed to be like originally, wasn't it supposed to be like a an in person? So, let me let me tell you about this. Uh, Avalon Con uh, was Avalon so, Con. That's it. Yeah, Avalon Con was supposed to be uh, an um a in person and streamed uh, convention here here in Glastonbury um, a month ago, really to the day, and of course due to COVID that didn't happen. So we are. We were scheduled it for 2022. Uh, I have, and this, I, I, I spoke about it mm, months ago when I was doing like a little bit of like a promo about it. What's gonna happen really is that I am not sure it's gonna happen next year. I already like we already refounded all the tickets, um, which was a pity because it was very successful. Like it was yeah. really like it was, the, the lineup was great. Uh, the problem that happened over the, the last six months or so is that half of the people in the lineup turned out to be, let's say, not who I wanted to support anymore. And I'm not, and I'm not going to say more because I'm trying to be, um, uh, let's say, uh, diplomatic about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like like I I so let's say next year I would still have you know the Newkirks I would still have Phil Hine I would still have Amodali I would still have like Paul Weston Sarita Deste all those people would still be there, but some other people in in the United coming from the United States I would not be 
keen on supporting them or giving them spotlight anymore yeah. for many reasons. Like, you know, that's, that's in many ways, uh, Avalon Con was a great way to focus my, my creative side as well, like getting myself busy, uh, networking and everything. But also, it was in many ways a magical operation because it really uh, shone a light on, on some, um, you know, some behaviors that I was like, eh, that's, that's not me. I don't want to be part of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I'm we're still on in the sense that uh, we still have everything like every, all the uh, venues that were booked for this year. They're they're booked. They're still booked for next year yet. Um, I'm gonna see if I can come up with a with a lineup that was as exciting as the the old one, mm-hmm. uh, but I might not be able to. So yeah. I will. I, I decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make an announcement on the Equinox, so in September. And, uh, and, uh, and 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 I've been working on trying to, you know, rebalance, refine tune uh, the lineup. It's more a problem that uh, I it's difficult. <laughs> so no, I yeah I understand yeah I understand. yeah. Well, I hope it 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 um I hope it works. I mean, we we need. I mean, there's there's plenty of conventions but we can always use more and i don't know what the convention scene is going to be like when we come out the other side of this i i'm hoping that there's people like you that um that recognize the importance of that coming together and and um and we'll do and i mean it's it's a lot of hard work putting putting these events together but i i hope um people like you you know really like i'm gonna Put in the work i'm going to make this happen it's got to be great we need to come come together again and um i think you know it's interesting um you know for all of the the chaos of the trump years plus covid there is uh, an an unexpected blessing trump exposed trump gave a lot of horrible people license to crawl out from under the rocks and and same thing with COVID and you see people's true colors and it's that's a bit of an unexpected blessing because people have have you know like they've had to hide their their fascism their racism their homophobia their transphobia and now everyone's like, I'm a racist transphobe. Give me a medal. And um, I I think it's fantastic because yeah, yeah. We, we know who they are. Absolutely. We know who they are. And I'm not a um, I'm not a social media blocker. Um, I like to be able to see these people. What are they doing? What are they saying? How do I counteract that? So yeah, come on out. You know what? Uh, you're you're a pagan neo-Nazi. You're a turf. You're racist. You know what? Get on Twitter right now and and tweet that. Tweet it. Yeah. If, if that's what you are, tweet it. You're a fascist. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. Tweet it out. Get it out there. Let us all know. And exactly. I think I think it's great. But again, like the the downside to something like that is. Um, you're like, oh, uh, half my lineup is problematic, you know. Yeah. So it, it, that, 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 that's exactly the problem. <laughs> like yeah. you nailed it, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, uh, oops, oops. Uh, maybe, maybe not that one. <laughs> maybe I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it's it, like I said, like I do hope that I can come up with um with a lineup that that was as exciting. It, yeah. There's, it, there's, but I, you know, like, the, it, because you know, a lot of the groundwork is done already. Like, you know, it's, it's just about you know fine tuning. It's like, is it, is it something that people will want to buy? At the end of the day, it's a business in, in, endeavor, right? Like, yeah. I don't have, to, I don't have to make money out of it, but I need to break even. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's like, um, is it possible? As it stands today, it's a bit tricky. But like I said, I, I I'm happy to be if I'm going to be surprised. And like I said, like like you know, the Equinox is my my first um, like the moment I want to have a statement out uh, because I like to keep people in the loop. Because it was like I said, like we we sold between in person and online, we sold almost five hundred tickets. It was insane. It was so oh, good. That's good. It was great. It was absolutely yeah, great. And absolutely. The, and we had we had like two hundred people on the waiting list for tickets like we we could only sell like 50 tickets for the for the for the per, in person but the venue i mean it's a small venue it's a small town but the venue has 120 so we were like and we had like almost you know almost double the people waiting to to for getting in mm-hmm. uh, and and we are like unlimited online because we had uh, my friend Dara Mason, who has uh, is the guy behind the Spirit Box podcast. He also he, he used to work, I think, for National Geographic, and so he had like the, he could get it as he, he would get as like the best uh, audiovisual visual uh, technicians, and that was like perfect. Like we we organized like a like a green room where we would interview people like after going and and then like after going on stage we would interview them afterwards and then like broadcast that and I, like i said all that groundwork is done hmm. it's more like i need uh, i need four or five people that that are not problematic yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hear you i hear you you can find them. You'll, but see, but if you're if you're wanting to make an announcement uh, at the equinox, so you have less than two months to find four or five more people. So, yeah, yeah um, it's uh, it's tricky. It's yeah. tricky. I've been working it for a while, but it's tricky. Anyway, yeah. we'll uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so keeping my fingers crossed for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Sean. That's been fantastic. <laughs> thank you yeah, for having me. It's so great. I'm so glad you uh, wanted to come on the podcast. That totally made my my day. Absolutely. Thank you. Fantastic, then. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, for all the listeners, um, all of uh, Marco's links are in the show notes. So go follow him on uh, social, join his Patreon, everything. And of course, as always, my link is there that gets you to everything about me website social everything it's it's all there in that one link so thank you all for listening and once again marco thank you so much for being on the lux files thank you so much and good night good night thank you for listening to this episode of the lux files You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.leilokanzawin.com links. 
That link will get you to my page of links where you can then go to my Lay Lokens Alwyn website, the Lux Files page, and my Lay Lokens Alwyn YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.